There is no denying that the housing market has changed substantially from 2020 to today. However, there is an aspect of the housing market that cannot be ignored. I am not referring to buying or selling a home. You guessed it, the rental market. There are two key roles involved in renting a home, the property owner and the renter. Amid the process, there is an essential middleman who oversees the operation and maintenance of real estate property. That's when property managers come into the picture. Welcome to your key to Orlando real estate. My name is Realtor Gretchen Demps Simmons. Today we'll be covering all you need to know about property management and how it's changed during the pandemic. Hi, welcome to Your Key to Orlando Real Estate. My name is Gretchen Demp Simmons. And one of the things that has been going on lately is the rental market ups and downs, topsy-turvies that's going on right now. And are you an owner? Are you a renter? What is your predicament right now? Are you do you own outright or do you have to pay a mortgage of your own for a rental property? Are you getting the rental income? And if you're a renter, what are your predicaments right now? Can you stay where you are or do you have to go? And caught in the middle of this is our property managers. So we're going to talk to one of our realtors today who's a preeminent property manager in Orange and Seminole County. Her name is Angela Fedick. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Gretchen. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being here and taking the time out. I know you're a busy, busy person. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about what the predicaments are that you're facing. Well, I've been doing property management for about 15 years. And so, of course, like everyone else, when COVID hit, we had to pivot and had to recreate our businesses and figure out how we were going to get through it. When the shutdown first happened, we of course had to communicate with our tenants and let them know that we were there. Everyone was very nervous. People were losing jobs, people were being furloughed. And there was a lot of uncertainty as to what was going on, were people going to be able to pay their rents? So we had to communicate right away and send out letters and emails and give them as much information as we had about rental assistance programs, but also just tell them to communicate with us because some landlords were very understanding. They were in a good financial position. And so they would forgive the first one or two months after the pandemic hit. But most of the landlords I work with are not in that financial situation. They don't have a bucket of money sitting off to the side. You know, they have right. their mortgages to pay, the maintenance, et cetera. So they were very nervous when COVID hit that their tenants were not going to be able to pay. So we had to do a lot of communication, figure out what was going on with every individual tenant. And so we have a software, there's a lot of different types of property management software, but the company we used was great about teaching us how to do payment plans inside that software. And that was very helpful so that we can sit down with each tenant and find out if they'd lost their job or if they had their hours have been scaled back quite a bit. What was a realistic plan for them. And we could set that up in our system so that we kind of had reminders. Okay, they're going to pay this much rent on this week or this day, et cetera, break it up over so much time. So when it first hit, we really just had to wade through all of that and figure out how and when people were going to pay. 
I'd have to say my company was lucky because all of our tenants were able to get through it eventually, whether they were getting, you know, the stimulus checks or unemployment, or they got back into their jobs or to a different job. And we all kind of figured it out. So we sent them the rental assistance information and we continue to send that out as it gets updated. Because as you know, the counties, Orange County, Seminole County, and the city, City of Orlando and Winter Park, as well as the state of Florida have information on their websites about um, assistance with utilities, assistance with rent. So they have to apply and it can be a little bit of time, but if they keep us informed, which that's pretty much how we had to start the pandemic and kind of get used to that, communicating with the tenants and go through and see what, what we needed to do. Now, you probably deal with a lot of tenants face-to-face -face usually, so you had to kind of change the way you interacted with them. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, as you know, it's a, it's real estate is very face-to-face, -face, whether it's sales or rentals. So some things we already had in place and used sometimes, and we've just expanded on it, and some things are totally new. So I use self-showing boxes, and there's several different companies that have self-showing boxes. And I use them periodically when I had a property that was very far away. Of course, it had to be a vacant property. So if it was very far away or there was some reason I couldn't get to it on a regular basis, um, the self-showing boxes are very secure. People have to take pictures of their license. They have to take a selfie from different angles, and they have to put credit card information in. They're not charged for doing the showing, but we have that as kind of a security in case there's damage or something is missing. Um, and it does alert us every time that somebody registers with the box or someone goes in and accesses the property. Because as we know, we, we live in a time where there are a lot of scammers out there. So you do have to be very careful. I have had people um, set up their own ads. I'm sure all realtors have had this where they steal their ads um, from whatever online ads that you have. And so I had someone set up um, an ad for an open house and we're trying to give information about the self-show box. However, it's very secure. He kept trying to get me to send him a direct link, which I didn't, you have to register. We have to make sure you know who you are. But I started using them much more once the pandemic hit so that people didn't feel like they needed to be close to me. They could register, they could go in, they could see the property, they could put the key back in the lock and it would tell me when they were done. And then I could text them or I could call them and we could discuss the house. If I couldn't use a self-show box, in the beginning, I wouldn't even go into the house with them because we were learning about social distancing. We all had to, kind of had to walk through that together. Um, now that masks are readily available, I usually do go into the house with them, but I do require everyone to wear a mask, whether it's vacant or it's occupied. I just feel like that it's safer that way. And we have hand sanitizer available. And of course, we ask them not to touch anything. I'm usually the one that opens up the doors or, you know, goes through the house and they just follow me around. So we've had to really change that. Um, I've also done a lot more video chat showings than I ever have done because people feel more comfortable. One reason is a lot of people are still moving into the area from out of state and it makes it convenient for them. Right. Um, but also if they just feel more comfortable doing it on their phone, on their laptop, and I walk through the house with you know, them as they see it. Um, and we've always used electronic signatures, but you know, of course that 
helped. We didn't have to sit down and do leases one-on-one -on -one with them. We could send it electronically and then talk to them over the phone if they needed help with it. The one thing I had never heard of before the pandemic was Zoom, but now it's like part of our everyday life. Uh, yeah. We'll use it for everything. So there's, I think there's a lot of things that are going to stay with us after the pandemic that we like and things that we get rid of that we don't like um, when this is all over. So we've heard a lot about the eviction moratorium. Talk about what you know to be the latest with regards to the eviction moratorium and how it's affecting property managers. Well, as you know, it was set to expire July 31st and it has been extended until October 3rd at this point. Um, that could be overturned at any time. Things change on a daily basis. But I would re recommend any property manager that has to deal with it to uh, call the Florida Realtor has a legal hotline. And I think most realtors know about that, but they're very helpful if you have any legal questions and they can walk you through things. And you also should have an attorney that prepares leases for you and handles evictions for you. So the company that we use has a lot of resources on their website that um, talk through the moratorium because evictions still are being filed and still are going through the process, but it depends on whether it's a CARES Act covered property. So all of those legal details, because of course I'm not an attorney, I don't play one on TV. So you do need to speak to an attorney, whether it's a legal hotline or an attorney that your company uses and make sure you know what's happening because there's um, like three day notices are the first step in an eviction when someone is late with their rent. And there's been a change to the verbiage that is required to be put on there because of the eviction moratorium. So as property managers, we need to make sure we know any rules that change, any legal requirements as they come up. So we need to be in communication with uh, an attorney for all that. So tell me a little bit about how the pandemic has affected the rental and vacancy rates? So vacancy rates have really gone down because the market is so hot. And I don't know if there's a correlation with the pandemic or not. It, it may have to do with materials not being available for a long time. And so the construction had slowed down. But the inventory is really low right now for sales and for rentals. A lot of the landlords that I've worked with and managed properties with, because the market is so good, they've decided to sell the properties and that displaces tenants. And so we don't have a lot of inventory, which then drives the rental rates up, which then makes it less affordable for people in for the rental market. Um, it's a very strong market. Um, so it's great for the property owners but it is difficult for the tenants right now. And what I tell people is you have to just get on top of things and be aware of what's being marketed so you can be first in line if you can. And also keep your credit good and do what you can. You know, Of course, you wanna make sure you get a good recommendation from your previous landlord because that will help you then get into your next property. So I wanted to circle back to one thing real quick about the eviction moratorium also about the fact that our infection rates had gone up. We were down to 5% at the beginning of June and the eviction moratorium really had been extended because we're back up. And in Orange County, I think we're at 20% infection rate right now. The whole state of Florida is in the red zone. 
So if the whole state is covered by that eviction moratorium. It is only supposed to be for counties that are in the red zone. And for right now, we're in August 2021, we are, the entire state is in the red zone. Um, but as I said, the, the county and state websites are very helpful with giving information about whether that will be changed or not. So at this point, it is a difficult market for some tenants and the rental rates are going up. Can be good for landlords, not as great for tenants. So Angela, you, one of the things that you mentioned was that because the buying and selling market had been so elevated and, and a lot of people that would normally rent have decided to take their property and sell anyway, what does that mean for the multifamily housing. I see a lot of those going up now. What, what does that mean for that? And that when there is construction in multifamily in the apartments, that is competition actually for my clients because my clients are generally the individual homeowners because I manage individual homes, individually owned condos. Um, so when construction of a large apartment building goes up, like there in my neighborhood in College Park, there is the Princeton. So that does become some competition. So it can level out the rent a little bit. Um, and it does help in this situation that there's more inventory for people to choose from. With regards to the renters, I wanted to find out, say for instance, you have a renter that uh, an owner has decided they want to go ahead and evict because they want to go ahead and sell. So that eviction is on their record. How can they dispute that or or what happens when they're trying to rent a new place? So you're talking about somebody who's non-payment of rent and is uh, going to be evicted. You're not talking about the end of a lease expiring. Well, I'm, I'm thinking if a lease has expired, but the person has been able to stay on, let's say, month to month, but the owner has finally decided, OK, I want to go ahead and, and get rid of my tenant. How does that affect that tenant in terms of when you see them and they want to get one of your properties? What What, what is under consideration? Right. So that would be a non-renewal. So if someone has a lease and um, whether it's the end of that lease or they've been going once a month and we give them the necessary notice because then the owner, and this has happened to me several times in the past year, where I've had to let the tenant know that the owner has decided to sell. So that's not an eviction and it won't be on their record and if they go to um, find another property most of the time that landlord or property manager will contact me for a recommendation and if they've been good tenants and paid on time then I'll give them a good recommendation to help them to the next property but it does create stress because if a tenant has been in a property for a while they're comfortable there they consider it their home they're not happy if they have to move and sometimes they will consider purchasing it. I've had a, a tenant recently purchase the condo that he had been renting. But that tends to be rare for different reasons. Even if I've had a lot of renters who are now going out and purchasing homes, um, but not the one that they're living in, like I said, for different reasons. So that won't, wouldn't be an eviction, but yes, that is a difficult situation for a lot of renters right now. And then what about those that have been evicted? Are, are there any special considerations or circumstances for them? So if someone has been evicted, that does go on the record. It does make it more difficult for them to rent because of course we don't want to rent in our properties to anyone who has had an eviction in the past 
seven years or so. So most of the time, people don't want to have an eviction on the record. So if something's going on where they have lost their job or they just can't stay there anymore for different reasons or they have to relocate, we'll work with them to get them moved out. We'll have them sign a mutual termination and they break their lease and pay some sort of penalty. And then it's not an eviction on their record. So, you know, tenants, if they are in a situation where they have to leave and it's their choice, just know that they can communicate with their property manager and try to work out a situation where it's mutually positive for everyone when they need to move. One of the things also that you mentioned, rents are going up but salaries may not be. So in that instance, are, are you still requiring the same thing in terms of what is it, first, last month's rent, or are there any particular special circumstances or allowances? In general, we don't ask for last month's rent unless someone has no credit or bad credit or cannot verify their income. We like their credit to be good and their income to be about three times the rent. And that's generally what most people would want. And you're right, it is, incomes are going up a little bit, especially because the labor force is very tight right now. And there's a lot of push for the minimum wage to be changed to $15 an hour. So that will help, but it does kind of squeeze people in the middle where their income has not gone up, but the rents have gone up. So they're forced to kind of move to different areas. Cause as you know, the closer you get to a downtown core, the more expensive it is per square foot. So so if you move out a little bit further to a more rural area, then it's less expensive. You can get a bigger house for more money. What happens in, and I'm hoping this is an unusual case, but what happens in cases where there has been um, not a not so amicable parting of the ways between the owner and the tenant and the tenant has done some damage to the property? What, how, does, how do you handle that? Well, that's a difficult situation. I mean, we, we don't like it when we have to evict someone or if we have to kind of stop short of an eviction and kind of push them out. And I've had that in the past where there's been damage. We do ask for security deposit and most of the time that will cover damage. Sometimes it doesn't and then it, the owner will have to follow um, the the legal process and get an attorney involved to find out what the options are. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I have to be careful about not giving legal advice. As a property manager, we have to know a little bit about the law, but we have to defer to an attorney. Um, so if you're a landlord, I would say get as much advice as you can from your property manager, but also speak to an attorney if it's something you have to take to court. What kind of advice would you give right now to landlords, owners, and to uh, renters, tenants, to come to a meeting of the minds and make the situation the best for all concerned? Well, I've always said that when you're a realtor or a property manager, it'd be great if you had a degree in psychology because we deal with people all the time. And I think the best thing is to listen to people and to what they're going through. And we work as the mediator. So if you're a landlord, try and understand the tenant situation. If you're a tenant, try and understand a landlord situation and come to, you know, communicate with each other and try to come to a mutual decision with your 
arguing about whether something had been damaged by the tenant or was like that before. And of course, and this comes back to getting a good property manager that documents things, that keeps you informed as to what is considered normal wear and tear and what is not, and you know, knowing what all the specifications, and then also having a good attorney that you use that can give you advice. But pretty much I would say that you know, both landlords and tenants need to make sure that they communicate and understand the other side. And you did answer a good question uh, kind of in that answer. And that is, if you're an owner, how do you select a good property manager? But you have just given us the, the key points in terms of that. So is, are there any other last suggestions that you'd want to leave us with? Well, my only thing I would say is this is a very difficult time for everyone, owners, tenants, landlords, living in a pandemic is very stressful. And I saw myself and a lot of other people, particularly when it started, um, kind of just focusing on work because so many people had lost their jobs. It became very stressful. So I would say to everyone to kind of we learned a lot from Simone Biles, I think the Olympics had, have just ended, about mental health and self-care and just taking time to breathe and to have time away from work. And that will make it easier when you're back in a stressful situation, trying to figure out you know, why your tenant isn't paying rent or w whether you can claim, make a claim on damage, to have time away from that and not be just full force all the time. Angela Fedick, thank you so much for taking the time out today and giving us some really great information. You take care. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. In our August market update, the most recent housing market report reflects new record-breaking numbers. The median price of an Orlando home sale was $320,000, an increase of 18.5% compared to the same month last year. Month after month, Prices continue to rise and inventory has remained limited. Orlando area inventory has fallen from 6,220 homes in July 2020 to 3,524 homes in July 2021. However, that is an increase from June 2021's 3,098 homes. In addition, the length of time homes are spending on the market has reached a new historic low. Homes spent only 26 days on the market in July 2021. In addition, sales fell 5.2% in July compared to the previous month. However, they have spiked 13.7% compared to this time around last year. The latest report states that Aura Realtors sold 4,183 homes. Although it is a 5.2% decrease in the total sold last month, Sales are still up 13.7% compared to July 2020. As we continue to experience groundbreaking numbers in the housing market, it is important for home buyers, sellers, and renters to stay informed and use a Realtor for their home needs.